1: I'm here again today with Dr. Lewis Melmadrona, uh, who is a physician, an MD, and a psych- and a psychiatrist, the author of a series of books on Coyote Wisdom. Uh, one is called Coyote Wisdom, and we're going to be talking today again about using stories in healing. And in our last session, Lewis told a beautiful story, a Lakota story about bear and badger. And we found out about how to use it in a specific therapeutic environment. And what I wanted to do today before I tell my story is to focus back where we left off last time when we talked about how you accidentally found out that you were using hypnosis. And now that you're looking back on it, maybe just take a moment to talk to us about hypnosis how it how it fits into this narrative process of of healing
0: so so what i'm what i'm learning as i read more of the scientific literature and and think about what it is that i do and what it is that elders do is that there's really a science of persuasion and of of and you know it can be used for good or for evil. And we're going to talk about using it for good. But if you want to look at using it for the, for bad, well, just watch Donald Trump in action (laughs) because he's got the science of persuasion down. And, um, which is why we need to understand the science of persuasion so that we don't let ourselves get persuaded when we don't want to be. So, so what, What we're about is uh, establishing that we have the other person's highest good in our heart and mind. And that whatever it is that we're persuading them to do is what they've told us they already wanna do. And, And we just wanna build their confidence in themselves that they can do that. Because the more that you believe that you can do something, the more likely you can do it. And the more that you believe in your own capacity to heal, the more likely you'll heal. The more that you believe that you have agency and that you can act in the world and something good will come of it, the more likely you are to act in the world and the more likely something good will come of it. And so whatever you call it, um, hypnosis, visualization, prose poetry, guided imagery, um, narrative healing arts. It's all about giving people this sense that they can do it, to to uplift them, to inspire them, to um, motivate them, to um, make it more likely that that something good will come of this interaction between us. And, and, um, and that, that's using our powers for good. <laughs> exactly.
1: So. That, I, that was really well stated, Lewis, and thank you. Um, so today I'm, I'm going to tell a story. And I want to begin with the backstory to my story. So some of the listeners may know that I, I co-wrote a book with my Kiowa uncle, Richie Tarza, who was a medicine man and the book is called Big Bo, The Spiritual Life and Teachings of a Kiowa Family. And the part that I probably never told you about, Lewis, was the the quandary that I was left in after he died. So what happened was I was for many, many years taking groups of people to his home, and every time that I was there, he would tell these stories. And many of them were family stories. Many of them were stories of the history of the Kiowa people. And every time he told stories, I would get totally absorbed in these stories. And I mean, I'm sure it was very obvious how connected I was to what he was sharing. So at one point, towards the end of his life, I was there by myself one day. And he said, you know, over the course of my life, I've been approached a number of times by people who wanted to write my life story and the story of my family and he said i turned them all down and i'm asking you if you would write that for me and i said i said yes you know it would be an honor to do that now of course i didn't realize how what scale of a project i was taking on so we agreed that i would start recording And every time that I was there, this uh, Uncle Richie lived in Oklahoma, and of course, I live in New York. So every time I was in Oklahoma, I would go, I would bring my, my tape recorder, and we would record these sessions. And every time I asked him questions, and he answered the questions, it all seemed like it made complete sense. And I look back on it now, and I say, of course it made sense. I was completely in a hypnotic trance. And I noticed over the years of my being around a lot of the elders that when they spoke, they spoke in a very hypnotic way. Well, it made complete sense to me until I tried to write a book from it. So meanwhile, Uncle Richie passed away. He had asked me to do this because he wanted to leave something for his family. He passed away, and I took all of the tapes that I had done over those years, and I brought them to have them transcribed, and I thought... Well this will be a piece of cake. I'm going to just take these transcriptions and I'm going to create the book. I looked at these transcriptions and I said, "Oh my goodness. I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. They it doesn't make sense. It doesn't tell any kind of a cohesive story." And I literally had to take all of the recordings apart and put them back together and reassemble them to create the the narrative of the book which was like almost an impossibility it, it took me so much time it took me years to do it but i tell that story because it 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 indicates the state of mind that i was in that was not a logical rational western approved state of mind of a social scientist or a person who is uh, is co-writing a book. I was caught up in the healing power of the story, not in the logic of it to try to write it down. So part of, the, part of what we would talk about was stories of his life. We would talk about stories about his great-great-grandfather, who was Big Bo. And part of the time, we would talk about traditional stories. And I remember one day I was there and I said, you know, I was hoping that we could talk about some sane Day stories, what do you think about that? And he was silent for a minute, and then he I said, "Well, what do you think about that And he laughed, and he goes, "He's no good. He was talking about sane day. he's no good now. sane Day is a trickster for the kiowa people he's He's sort of a human figure but but kind of an oddball of a fella, and there are lots of stories, most of the stories are about Sane Day as this terrible trickster, about how you can't trust him. And he it seems like he always does something that messes things up. You know, he's always trying to get one over on everybody else. And of course, like most tricksters, in the end, who ends up suffering the most, in many cases, it's Sane Day. But sometimes there's collateral damage, and other people suffer as well as a result of it. But the story that I'm going to tell is one where, where Sane Day in a way contributes to the life of the people and it goes like this one day sane day was coming along and by the way the the same day stories always start with that phrase because it it seems like he doesn't really have a stable home he's always moving from place to place kind of on the the periphery of social life of the people so one day sane day was coming along back in the days before uh, there was light when the, the earth was dark and nobody could see anything. Nobody could eat properly because it was hard to get food when it was pitch black all around. And plants couldn't grow properly because they didn't have any sunlight. And everybody was really kind of suffering. So he was bungling his way through the dark and he he kind of stumbled upon some friends of his who were sitting around in the dark and they were talking and it was fox and deer and magpie and they were kind of complaining about the fact that things were so dark and how tough life was and how they really wished that they could have light and same day kind of invited himself to sit down and talk to them and he said you know you know I, i've heard that there's light on the other side of the world there's this thing called the sun and he was describing how, with sunlight, people can see. They can go out, and if they're hunters, they can go out and hunt food. And the plants grow properly. And the more he talked about it, the better this sounded to all of them. And they said, "Well, how could we get sun here on our side of the world?" And Sandy thought about it, and he thought about it, and he thought about it, and he sort of was coming up with this idea about what to do. And he he asked the three of them. He said. Are any of the three of you particularly fast? And Magpie said, sure, I'm fast. I I can fly pretty quick. Deer said, well, you know, I'm pretty quick. And Fox was kind of proud of himself. He said, you know, I might be the fastest. So Sane Day came up with this idea. And they made their way through the darkness all the way to the other side of the world. And they kind of stopped along the way to set up this relay. So Sane Day was the first one to stop because he not he's kind of lazy. He doesn't like to travel very far in the first place. So Sane Day stopped along the way, and then magpie stopped along the way, and then deer stopped along the way. Fox made it all the way to the land of the sun. And there were some people there, another tribe of people, None of them had ever seen before. And these people had control of the sun. So Fox made his way to the edge of the village and he was just kind of watching to see what was going on. And it turned out that not only did they have the sun for their benefit, but they had control of the sun. And they even used it for a game that was very similar to a game that the Kiowas played. Now, the Kiowas played a hunting game called the hoop and stick game, where one person would roll a hoop along the ground and the hoop had webbing made out of animal skin that would create this this webbing over the hoop. Then people from the other team would line up and they would throw sticks and they were trying to get it into the center of the hoop. And it was a way of the children getting better and better at their hunting skills. Well, when Fox got there, he saw that they were these people were playing a very, very similar game to what the Kiowas played, only they were throwing sticks at the Sun. So one team would take the Sun and they would roll it along the ground, while the other team would have their, their people line up with their sticks and they would throw the sticks at the Sun. And anybody who hit the Sun would get a point. Well, he watched the game and noticed that there was one team that was doing much better at the game than the other team. He waited till the game was over, and he kind of wandered in and they They asked him who he was, and he told him he was Fox and they said, "Well, what are you doing here?" And he said, "Oh, you know, I'm just kind of traveling along. I saw you guys playing this game, and I just wanted to let you know that I really like how you play it and they said, "You like the way we play it. We just lost terribly badly to the other team and he said, "Yeah, but you know." I like your form. I like the way it looks when you guys play that game. That other team, they they don't look very good when they play it. Well, they were kind of complimented by that. And they sort of let Fox in and let him stick around for a while. And next day they played the game again and they lost again. Fox was like, man, you guys look great out there playing that game. And it went like this for four days, you know, each day. He was getting a little bit more confidence, a little more confidence from the people. They liked him. He liked them. Everybody was getting along. Well, finally, there was a game where they were about to play. And they said, you know, Fox, we we really kind of like you. And we've made you a part of our village here. And we thought maybe we'd give you a chance to play the game if you want. Fox said, sure, I'd love to. And they said, well, you know, you probably don't have the skills yet. be able to throw the sticks with accuracy but if you want we could let you roll the sun fox said absolutely so fox took the sun got out on the field the other team members were lined up with their sticks ready to throw it and fox pretended that he was going to roll the sun for them but then tucked the sun under his arm and started to run as fast as he could well meanwhile All those people realized what was going on, that Fox was making off with their son, and they started to chase him as fast as they could. Well, Fox ran and ran and ran, and the people were desperate to get at him. Well, finally, he was just about losing steam when he caught up with deer, and he passed the son off to deer, and deer started to run as fast as he could, and the people were still in hot pursuit but deer ran and ran and ran as quickly as he could until he gave out. He passed the sun off to magpie. Magpie flew into the sky with sun, and the people were still running after them. Well, finally, magpie ran out of steam. And by the time he ran out of steam, they were close back to where the Kiowa people were. And by then, he caught up with Sane Day. Now, Sane Day wasn't particularly up for running, but by then you couldn't even see those people after him anyway. So Sane Day just took the sun and walked his way, kind of ambling his way back into that Kiowa village. And when he got there, the people were amazed. They could see that sun was improving their life already. They could see each other for the first time, they could see their food. Everything looked great. But all of a sudden, they realized the problem. The problem was that there was never a break from the sun. So the, the, um, all the things that were growing, the trees, the plants, the bushes, everything just grew out of control. Vines, everything grew. The people couldn't sleep at night. Finally, they said, "Sandy, day, you gotta do something about this. This sun business is actually making our lives worse. Well, same day, was trying to figure out what to do, and he thought, well, maybe I'll put the sun inside the teepee. So he put the sun inside the teepee, and that didn't really seem to help out all that much. So now he didn't know what to do, and he put the sun at the top of the teepee poles, where the teepee poles crisscross, and it burned down the entire teepee. Now he really didn't know what to do. And he thought about it and thought about it and thought about it until finally he figured it out. And he threw the sun up into the sky. And the sun started to go into this big, big arc around the planet. So that half the day the sun would show up for those other people, the sun people, and half the day it would show up for the Kiowa people. And so that's the story of how the sun came to the Kiowa people through the help of Sane Day. And I used that story in a session recently with somebody who she had spent her entire life not knowing how to be in the world. Because when she showed herself in a particular way, she was always. Put down. She was always told that she, it wasn't right. So she learned. Well, I'll tell you how it happened. How the way that I discovered it is we were working with her beliefs, and it turned out that her belief was that anytime she would speak, she'd get slapped down one way or another. It began in her childhood and it continued into her adulthood that either she was too attractive or she was dressed the wrong way or women aren't supposed to act in a particular way and it turned out that she felt that she couldn't shine in the world and when she used that word shine all of a sudden i realized that this story was the proper story because in this story sane day finds out how to create that balance so that the sun shines where it should at certain times of the day and in another place at another time of the day so that there was this mediated balance which is exactly what this this person needed in that session so that is an example another example very much in keeping with the one lewis that you shared in our last session
0: yeah really Really cool stuff, isn't it? Like how these stories can inspire people to to grow and change?
1: Absolutely. I, I, and as you say, you know we're in the we're in the, the practice of persuasion, persuading mm-hmm. people that they can live a better life, persuading people that they can take their notions of themselves that have been built up over the years by other people telling them what they are and are not. And have a new opportunity to be persuaded yeah. to what they wanted to do in the first place
0: yeah and and you know um i think about how powerful it is to sit with elders and and how as you say it puts you into a, a different a non-ordinary state of consciousness and and there's something about how they join with us in that state that moves us forward in our lives, I think.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, I know, I know that, you know, when I tell stories or whatever, I'm always wishing I, I were as good as the elders (laughs) that I've known (laughs) at, at producing that, Non ordinary state, just like your uncle did for you. And it's so interesting, isn't it, that when you try to take it apart linguistically with a transcript, it doesn't make sense.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It's amazing. Amazing. And, you know, and I've been around it as I'm sure that you have, sitting with these elders, and there's something, there's some quality to their presence. That I think is is part of what induces that trance. Some Indeed. some quality that they have that that it's hard to put into words.
0: You know, it they listen without judgment or interpretation. Yeah. Without micro expressions. Yeah, yes. And also, yeah, and also, I think there's a kind of spiritual peacefulness. Absolutely. That they radiate, mm-hmm. and um, I'm hoping to get there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're both working on that as we as we, we make our way into elderhood,
0: huh? right? We're both working our way there. Elders in training, <laughs> right? Right, junior elders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's uh, profound, really, what they. So- so I, i wanted to ask
1: one more question before we before we close and that is um you and i have talked about stories before and the difference in stories that come from different cultures because you know one question might be well you know if i work in a therapeutic way with other people why native american stories what is there about them that's any more useful than somebody else's stories what do you think
0: Well, I I don't think there is anything that about them that's any more useful than anyone else's stories. It's I mean, we tell them because it's we've been immersed in Native American culture for, you know, years. I mean, for me, my whole life. And um, it's what we know. And so we tell we we speak (laughs) what we know and and at the same time that i say that when i get a client who's not from like in coyote wisdom i write about working with a native hawaiian client and i went out and found some hawaiians and i said dudes i need some stories you know, to <laughs> tell this guy what do you got you know and they helped me out or um i've even worked with disney stories with people, Mm -hmm. you know, for whom that's their, those are the stories they know. So, um, you know, we honor the Native American, North American stories because of our immersion in that culture. And and I, so many of the people I see are Native American. I mean, I must be above 80% of the, you know, clients that I work with. So, um, so it just seems natural, you know, and I work with a lot of nowadays I work with a lot of uh, people from the Wabanaki world. And so I've been learning their stories, you know, because I want to inspire them with their stories. Right. About glue and, you know, all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> so. Um, so we work in the way that we were raised in the context in which we find ourselves. And I think what we want to tell people in the course is, well, look around and see what your context is and see who, who's, who's there and what stories are they telling and what stories are your clients familiar, you know, familiar with. Um, and and we want, I think we want to give them some principles, but invite them to go find the stories that work for where they are with the people whom they see, you know, in the context where they are. Beautiful. Um, I
1: I do want to add one quick note about stories. And that is that in a conversation that you and I had um, a few weeks back, we were talking about how we also live in a world of stories that swirl around us. And some of them are not the most empowering stories
0: no, no, some of them <laughs> you know, I credit I credit capitalism for that but,
1: <laughs> so we can find know. some better stories, I guess is the point
0: yes, to we can. home that we yes. want to be
1: discerning in how we select stories that will bring out the best in people as opposed to maybe not so much the best
0: you know i I want to mention before we finish, I was just so inspired. Recently, I was I was searching, um, you know, through the University of Maine Library for stuff about um, indigenous knowledge. And I came across this guy and I can't think of his name right now, but he had written a paper on indigenous business practice. And he was talking about how. um, So to be ethical as an indigenous business person, whatever you do has to benefit everyone. So whatever benefits you also has to benefit the whole community or it's not ethical. And I was just so impressed. I thought, wow, if only everyone thought this way, yeah, that would be awesome. And um, I'll, I'll try and get you the, the guy's name. And so you can tell people in a future podcast, but it was just so inspiring.
1: And that is actually a topic that I plan on using some stories for when you and I are teaching the workshop is this connection between our own healing and the responsibility to give back. So if we take that same, if we use that business model, as a metaphor we could say that in that in a similar way um so if business is there to create profit a profit doesn't just go to that individual it there's a responsibility to the wider community and in the same way when i am healed i have the responsibility to share some of that in the wider community and that's one of the things that i'm sure we're going to be working on in great detail over the course of the workshop. And before we close, a quick reminder. Dr. Louis Mel Madrona and I will lead a workshop for a center called Hollyhock in British Columbia, Canada. It's entitled Narrative Healing Arts Using Traditional Stories. It's a virtual workshop and will take place May 22nd through 23rd, 2021. You can register by going to hollyhock.ca. H-O-L-L-Y-H-O-C-K dot C-A. Again, that's Hollyhock C-A. Thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.